0: I hope that, uh, hope that, that we are able to get a sense of the storyline. Beginning, I mean, Psalm 80 is just one of many where there's an expression of uh, hurry up, you know. And they keep saying in that Psalm, uh, restore us. Shine your face on us that we might be saved. Be gracious to us. I mean, they're crying out, they're longing. Um, and there are some in the Old Testament who didn't understand, you know, uh, they didn't understand what they were longing for, you know, you kind of, they get a bad rap sometimes because we talk about, you know, they wanted a military leader, a political leader and stuff. But there's a lot of them who I think really understood that there's a deeper issue. That was the real rescue that was needed. And so, you know, in the Old Testament, the whole thing is pointing forward. It's, it's very forward thinking, you know, and and God makes these promises, and He and He fulfills them, and and are stepping and stepping forward, and there's this momentum, but it's all it's all going toward this Messiah that was going to come. And so that's the story, and and as the you as we see the storyline unfold, I mean every every chapter is just leading toward this this person, you know, this deliverer. And so that, so the you know the plotline looks forward, and then you know when the Christmas story that we celebrate and read and we sing about and all this stuff. I mean, that is that's the moment. You know, this is the birth of the one that's been waited for for so long, and and so you know we have the, the life of Christ, and he's born, and he lives, and um, you know he he dies, and he you know comes back to life, and ascends to the Father, and, and then the whole rest of the New Testament is basically like pointing back to that. So the Old Testament looks forward to it, and then you have like him, and then the rest of the New Testament just points back to him. And and so, as far as like uh, an unfolding plot goes, you have you have this this focal point that no one can like no one can seem to get away from. That everything about it is obsessed with uh, with Jesus. they're either looking forward to him, or they're looking at him, or they're looking back at him. And so that kind of brings us um, in kind of a history chunk kind of way. You think, okay, um, so the, you know, Mary and Joseph were there, and then the shepherds came, and then uh, a couple years later, the wise men came, and then uh, Jesus grew up, and uh, then he lived and he died, and he handed over the church to these uh, faithful men and women, and then yada, 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 now we're here. i just yada, 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 church history. And so you have these, these apostles and stuff, and then the next generation comes along and they get to stand on their shoulders of their faith, and then the next generation on the shoulders of their faith, and, and so on and so on and so on, and then, and then there's us. If we think of things as a storyline, we basically, every time we celebrate Advent, we step into that storyline. We're the next generation of people who are looking back to Christ. And really, every time that we come together on Sunday night, we step into that storyline again. And every time you pray during the week, you are a part of that story. And every time you open up your Bible, and every time you um, are gracious to someone and you love someone, and literally like every moment of every day, we, we play the next part of the story. And that's that's remarkable when, you, when, we, th- when we really think about it. Because God God has entrusted us with the next part of the story to be told. Which the next part of the story is just like every part of the story, whether it's the Old Testament looking forward or the Gospels looking at him or the New Testament looking back at him, we're a part of that. It just basically just like yeah, it's just him. It's just it just goes back to him. We we live in a world who thinks that like who would say like yes, we're all part of a story, but every, but our everything around us tells us that the story is all about us and as Christians we say I'm a part of a story but it's not a story about me my story is simply just to point back at the story which is him which is what Advent is about which is what life in Christ is about is we are just the next faithful generation that is pointing to him in John 1 uh, verse 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, glory as of the only Son of, from the Father, full of grace and truth. I mean, we, we could spend weeks on that one verse, unpacking that and looking at everything. You notice that the word, word, uh, it has a capital W on it. And, um, I'm certainly not a scholar that's going to get into this whole, you know, Greek philosophy, you know, whatever. Uh, but I can, I the way I best understand it is in Star Wars terminology. Uh, so if you're with me, you're with me. Um, the, I mean, George Lucas, he may have the copyrights on the word droid, but he didn't have the copyrights on the word force, because that whole concept of the force is sort of, it's, he just, Lifted it from Greek philosophy, they just believed that there was something holding everything together. Some sort of force, some sort of energy, some sort of power that, that held the world together, that made sense of everything, that, that was guiding and controlling everything. And so the Greeks were all about there's this logos, or logos, or logos, or however you want to pronounce it. That was their deal, there's like, oh, the logos holds everything together. There's another way of saying the force. And John comes along and he says, I'm going to capitalize this because the mysterious, weird force that's holding everything together is actually Jesus. He was in the beginning and he is the one that created all this and he's the one that holds all this together and he is... um, when it says he's in the very form of God, if you look at first verse 14, we'll get to that in a second. Um, actually, go ahead and go to Philippians 2. I'm a little scattered, I'm sorry. If you go to Philippians 2, um, it kind of echoes what John is, is saying. Um, in the beginning, there was Jesus, and there was the Father, and there was the Spirit. And we talked about this before, as we talked about the Trinity, that God the Father said, I have this vision, and this is what needs to happen. And... Jesus says, awesome, I'll do it. And so he was like, okay, um, Mount Fuji, make it happen. Jesus says, okay, boom, Mount Fuji. Holy Spirit was like, wow, awesome. Father says, I want to put this big canyon in the western part of this, you know, whatever, the United States. I want it to be grand. Jesus says, Awesome. Jesus is like this, awesome, it's good. This whole planet, the Father had this vision, and Jesus is the one that made it happen. Jesus is the one that holds everything together. It was created by him and through his power, and it was created for him. We see in Philippians 2, there's passages that we study and we look at, and we rarely look at it as a, as a Christmas passage. Look at verse Look at verse 3 it says Do nothing from rivalry Or conceit But in humility Count others more significant Than yourselves Let each of you Look not only to his own interest But also to the interest of others Have this mind among yourselves Which is yours In Christ Jesus Who though he was In the form of God Alright And that form That word form right there It means he's used the same as God Same nature Same character Same everything as God um, So it's Sometimes in English, things just don't really make sense when you translate it. But it's basically saying, because he was God, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Now, understanding, and I think it's one of those things we talk about a good bit, especially at Christmas time. But how many times do we really dwell, dwell on it, like really just ponder that and meditate on that? That Jesus, who created the earth, and not only the earth, but the heavens, and everything that's out there, and he cre- he's the one that created it all, and he holds it all together, and he, um, it's by him, through him, for him, everything's about him, that he looked at our situation being separated from him, And he willingly left and came and put on like this wretched flesh and came to this place full of pain and death and disease and injustice and um, and joy. There's good things in the world. The world's not a horrible place. But it's like a It's like a different kind of joy, you know. It's like, it's our best understanding of joy, but compared to what he had in heaven is nothing, you know. Things that we think are peace, he's like, oh, you don't don't really know peace yet. We look at the Grand Canyon or we look at at some of these places around the world and we think, oh, does it get any more beautiful? And it just makes you emotional. And then Jesus is like, you have no idea what beauty is. And he left it. And he could have just he could have just shown up as an adult out of nowhere and walked in and we could have our first glimpse of Jesus could have could have been his baptism and from then on. But for some reason we get to see how he was born. And when John says when he uses the word word, it it tells us something about God. Like that it it communicates something. So one of the coolest things, if you look all throughout scripture is how much God just speaks things into existence. Because really that's how the creation went. Let there be light and it happens. Water, sharks, trees, cows, that become fajita steaks, right? But he didn't have to go into a laboratory. He just speaks it, and it happens. And all throughout Scripture, when God's God didn't have to say, "Okay, well, I'm going to make you this promise," and then I'm going like, to, you know, whatever. He just he speaks it, and it happens. There's this authority, and there's this action that comes when God speaks words. So the word became flesh. The promise made became tangible for us. And we get to see that it's in this random cave with nobody around in this really, really shady circumstances. And these random shepherds get to come and see him. And I mean, the whole story is just so bizarre, but there's something about it that captures us. And I think this is why, because it is a, it's a storyline that we can relate to. We think about Jesus leaving heaven and showing up and being born just like we were born. He had parents like we have parents. He had friends growing up like we had friends. He had struggles like we have struggles. He got betrayed like we get betrayed. He had friends that were closer than some of his other ones, just like we do. He had trouble. He probably got sick. He probably ate things that didn't agree with his stomach. I mean, he he probably had days where he was a little moody. I mean, there he was he experienced all that stuff. And so he's been through it and been through it and been through it. And yet he made it through and he didn't he didn't sin one time. On those days when maybe he was moody, it never led him to sin. When you had to rebuke someone, he never crossed the line to where it became uh, sinful anger. Um, he, he did it the right way. So he leaves heaven, he comes to earth, he lives this life, and then he is our sacrifice and he is all these things. He goes back up to heaven and now he is there interceding at the right hand of the Father for you and I. So as a part of the story, what we have to think about is this, um, Jesus has been where you are and where I am. And so when we're praying, we're like, I, God, I don't know how to deal with, with this heartache. I don't know how to deal with this bad news I've received. I don't know how to deal with this awkwardness. I don't know how to deal with this mess I've gotten myself into. Jesus is, is there and he's saying, I've, I've been awkward before. I've been there. I, have, I had flesh and blood like that. I know the social tensions that are there. I know the awkwardness because I, I, I've, I've lived through it. I know how to make it through this situation. And he's telling the father, yeah, it's tough because I've been there. The Father hasn't been there. The Spirit hasn't been there. Jesus has been there. And he left heaven to come and experience that on purpose. The Father didn't make him go. The Father didn't twist his arm. There was no um, there was none of that manipulation or anything. He willingly said, this is what this is the plan? okay. Let's do it. And so we see this verse, look at verse 8. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Look at this. Therefore God is highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. One of the coolest things about the Christmas story is the sense of excitement that you get on the part of the Father about the obedience of the Son. I mean, think about how honored the Father is by the willful submission and the obedience of the Son to leave heaven and leave everything that heaven is and to come to this place and have to put up with us and to die for us. And so much of Jesus' life is, as we read it in the text, it's like you you can just hear the Father just Affirming and celebrating the obedience of Jesus. Sometimes like I wonder if like if that was a part of, and this might be heresy, but that was a part of like the angels and the shepherds, unless if God was like, You've got to come to see what my son has done. I'm gonna bring these these magi from uh, from Persia to come and to see, and I want I want people to see you see at his baptism the father said this is my son who i am well pleased so much of jesus's life is just it's almost like you can just hear the father just applauding and shouting and wanting that to be honor and that's wanting him to be honored therefore god highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name i mean it's it's all just screaming jesus the in, the so the storyline the whole old testament screams jesus the gospel scream jesus the the rest of the New Testament looks back and screams Jesus and then you and I come in and we step in and that is exactly what we're called to do. Not in that sense of like, well, you know, just always say Jesus and you're kind of right. But that is what, that is what all this is about. I didn't want to preach about Advent conspiracy anymore because it's so easy to, to make Christmas about Advent conspiracy, and it's not about Advent conspiracy. It's about Christ. When we go and we go serve at a shelter, it has nothing to do with Advent conspiracy, really. It has nothing to do with our church. It has nothing to do with whatever. It should be because we are the next ones in line that just point back to Christ and scream and applaud and affirm what he has done. So if that means we go and we hang out with some kids at a shelter and we take their moms to go shopping and stuff like that, and that's what we're going to do. Whatever. Whatever opportunity is laid in front of us for us to do that, that is what is, it, it's about. If you're going to love your family um, and, and take care of them and minister to them this Christmas, if Advent Conspiracy is the means to that, then that's awesome. But it's got to be because, because your mission in life is to point back to what Jesus has done. And to say, I am, I am one of those who is declaring his name. My knee is one of the knees that is bowed there. My tongue is one of the tongues that will confess there that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of of God the Father. I am participating in my role in the story that God has allowed me to play. So yeah, during Advent, we're gonna find some creative ways to do that. When Easter comes around, we're gonna find some more ways. And every single day of our lives is is the next part of the story that we're called to live. And it's not a story about you. It's not a story about me. And that's, that's like, it's hard to hear that sometimes. Until you start to read the scriptures. Until you start to hear some of the progression of some of these things. Some of the, some of the lines of these songs I get so hung up on every, every Christmas season. Whenever you begin to see that, wait a minute, I'm a part of something that is bigger than myself. And Christmas 2009 doesn't mean a whole lot really. Unless we are faithfully playing the role in the story and exalting our Savior. Through the way we give gifts, through the way that we love people, through the ways that we worship, the way that we refuse to, to buy into the consumerism that surrounds us. Too. I mean, it's, it's all that, that's what it all really comes down to. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And now He is in heaven, and He looks at our lives... And as we struggle to go through each day and to play the role and to tell the story, he understands how it's difficult, he understands why it's hard, and He is there to show us how to make it through and not drop the ball. I talk to people all the time, and I'm in that boat all the time where I I get to a point in my day or I get to the end of, of a day or the end of a week, and I just feel like I have just completely missed the boat. And Jesus is saying, you know what? I had a lot of disciples that missed the boat. It'll be all right. And sometimes he reminds me that the reason, the reason that I'm here is because there are those that went before me that were faithful and those went before them who were faithful and before them, and before them, and before them, all the way down to those 11 competitive, greedy, uh, just clueless disciples that Jesus said, all right, I'm going to build my church on y'all. And what I want to do is I want to be faithful in my role in telling the story because there are going to be people who come behind me and people who are going to stand on my shoulders, people stand on your shoulders. All you parents out there, you, you, you need a good broad shoulder because you got kids that are going to stand on them. Our church will be four years old in February. And it's weird to think down the road. I mean, there are churches that are like hundreds of years old. I passed Galilee Baptist Church the other day. I think they were founded like 1875, if I remember right. That's a storyline that we're a part of. And everybody at Galilee Baptist Church right now stands on the shoulders of those who've gone before them. We're just real young. We kind of feel like we're, we're the, the first in line. We're building that foundation we said at the beginning, from the beginning of Advent Conspiracy that this is, this is going to be our new tradition that we're going to try to establish, that this is the way we celebrate Christmas. This is the way, this is just the way, this is just the normal way we do things. I want to get to a point where when we sing, we don't like sing like Christmas carols, we sing Advent songs, and we can sing what child is this and worship through that just as much as, oh no, you never let go. And that's what we're trying to do, is is learn to tell the story. But first, we have to recognize that we're a part of it. We have to recognize what our story is all about. And it's just, it's just about him. All about him. So we're going to sing to him and about him a little bit more, and then we're going to be done. Um, so yeah, let's stand up together. Here's the thing about this story, is that... Uh, we started with Psalm 80, and we kind of kind of walked through a little bit up to the present. And so tonight, I mean, this is, this story is being told live in our presence. Um, and when we leave here tonight, like when we're done, we dismiss. The story doesn't, like, you don't hit pause on the story. It just keeps going, and it keeps going, and it keeps going. And so regardless of what kind of, story you've told with your life, even up to this point in, in these moments, um, this is a part of it. So, uh, let's be faithful with the story from beginning right now. Let me, let me pray. God, we love you. And, uh, it's not often that we think about how we, we connect to those who've gone before us. God, we thank you for those faithful, um, Old Testament saints who just looked forward to the promised Messiah and their faith was it was in the Messiah to come and for those who got to lay eyes on Jesus while he was here on the earth for those who were faithful to pass that story on and pass it on and pass it on the story that the word became flesh and dwelt among us put he put our redemption ahead of his own comfort and he left heaven and he lived and he experienced this world and he died and reconciled us to you and now he is in heaven and he is interceding for us he is showing us how to make it through so as we tell the story he's just he's, he's championing us he is pushing us forward he is showing us what it takes. Jesus, we thank you for that. and We want to join the story even more deeply tonight as we become more more and more those people who bow and confess your lordship in our lives. The Father would be glorified your name that is above every other name above every celebrity above every politician above every above everything else God that you would be our treasure